Hello everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your one and only host, Monica, and I hope you guys are doing amazing. Hope you're having a wonderful day today. We are going to be talking about Midsummer. Now, if you don't know Midsummer, Midsummer is the very popular movie written and directed by Ari Aster, who also wrote and directed, I believe, Hereditary. So this movie has been described as a folk horror film, but Ari Aster more describes it as a breakup movie because he wrote this while he was going through a very difficult breakup. And you know, I really do like this movie kind of. I hate it in some parts, but I do like it. This is my second time rewatching the movie. And rewatching the movie, you really do see like certain things that weren't there before. So I'm going to go through this movie uh, beat by beat, plot point by plot point, I may go off on some ta- Ooh, what was that? I may go off- I may go off on some ta- tangents? Sorry. I don't know how to talk today. I might, uh, delve really deep into some characters, but, you know, let's just get into it. Um, spoilers up ahead, obviously, we'll, we will be talking about what happens in the film and certain themes throughout the film, and, you know, let's just get into it. So, the film starts with Danny. Danny is played by Florence Florence Pug, I believe this I say her last name. By the way, I love Florence Pug. She's amazing in this film. This is the first movie I've seen her in. And honestly, like, I really do need to start watching more of her films because her performance in this movie was top notch and I really was like swept away by <laughs> swept away by her emotions. But yeah, basically the movie starts with Danny, and Danny got a weird email from her sister, and she tries to call her sister just to see what's going on, and then she calls her boyfriend Christian. Now, throughout the film, we get to see Danny and Christian's relationship as it deteriorates, and I have to say, I feel sorry for Danny, like I really do, because Christian's such a butt face. Christian is not a good person. I don't like Christian at all. And I remember when there was this trend going on on Twitter where it was like movie villain and actual villain. And of course people put tweets up, like if there were tweets, you know, someone would put up movie villain and it would be like a picture of like Miranda Priestly from the Devil Wars Prada. And then like actual villain would be obviously um, Anne Hathaway's boyfriend because he didn't support uh, Andy's dreams or whatever. But in, there was one tweet I saw of Midsummer where someone tweeted out movie villain and showing like the full community of Hagra and actual villain being Christian and I do think like I really do think like honestly if Danny had just like broken up with Christian or if Christian had just dumped Danny when he didn't want to be with her anymore then like most of the stuff in this movie would probably still happen but like like really like let's like look at this movie because like Danny first calls Christian, right, about her sister, and she's worried about her sister because her sister left her some really weird emails. And he was like, oh, well, she's bipolar. Like, you give her attention. Like, the more you feed into it, the more she's going to do this. And he just doesn't care. It's obviously that he doesn't care about her or her sister or whatever's going on. He could care less. Like, she's seriously like, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, totally, yeah. And she says that she's lucky to have him, which is so stupid, girl, because you're not lucky to have him. He doesn't want to be with you. Whenever he, whenever she calls him, he, like, dreads picking up the phone. 
and when he's hanging out with his friends his friend played by will forte who i think is an amazing actor by the way he's awesome in bandersnatch and also <laughs> we're the millers which is one of the funniest movies i've ever seen he's so great in that movie but will forte he plays the character of mark in this film and he's straight up just like you don't want to be with her you've wanted to break up with her for over a year why don't you do it and christian doesn't do it because he has no spine he has no balls and then william jackson harper who is in this movie which is honestly like i was surprised by it because like I think that they probably should throw him in the trailers more for this movie because he's in The Good Place and he's amazing in The Good Place and I think he's really great in this film and I think that it's really interesting looking at William Jackson Harper's character Josh because when you really get into the events of the film it's like any black person who has to like go to a commune in the middle of Switzer in the middle of Sweden that's like four hours away from like Stockholm aka the only major city in Sweden like if you had to go to a commune that's cut off from the real world and cut off from reality you would be mass suspicious too like you would be on high alert but because Josh is seeing all of this through the eyes of an anthropology student and he's doing all of this for his paper and his research he's excited to go to this commune in the middle of the movie he's not at all suspicious of the Hagra people and I really do like Josh's character, but there are some, there are some hangups I have about Josh's character, but we'll get to that later. So right, Danny and Christian. So I really do hate the fact that she said that she's lucky to have him. Girl, you are better off without him. And I feel like the friend that she was talking to on the phone, I really wish the friend kind of played a bigger role. Cause if the friend was like there physically, Maybe they would be able to convince Danny to like leave Christian and break up with Christian. But she's sad. Obviously, she's dealing with like a lot of emotions. And you can see in the beginning of the movie that she's hiding her emotions and her feelings to spare the other people around her. And she feels like she's a burden to Christian and she feels like she leans on him too much. And she's so vulnerable around him and he's never vulnerable to her. He doesn't open up to her. And he gets upset with Danny for like constantly emailing her sister after her sister sends her that weird email but christian does the same thing because he doesn't break up with danny he doesn't break up with danny and his reasoning behind that is that what happens if i want her back you don't want her back mark is right even though mark is like a butt face mark is right he d christian doesn't want to date danny christian doesn't want to be with danny christian doesn't want danny back christian wants to be with someone else who doesn't have a therapist who isn't on avion who is someone who is just like a normal person. That's who Christian wants to date, but he's dating Danny because Christian is a bum. Christian is a bum and he knows this and he knows that Danny's the only person who's going to settle for him and his laziness and the fact that he is just like, just going so-so. He's just wishy-washy through life. Like this guy can't commit to anything. He doesn't have a spine, he doesn't have any confidence. He's just, there he just exists he's just like vibing but his vibes are off his vibes are mediocre he's just a mediocre white guy and Danny just feels lucky to have him because she needs somebody to take care of her she needs someone to lean on she needs someone to cry to and even though she feels like she can't really open up to Christian and like vibe with him she can just feel like he doesn't want to be with her he feels that she he feels that she, he is so attached 
she can feel that Christian is so detached from the relationship and she keeps reaching out to him and wanting like love and affection from him and he doesn't give it to her but he likes the attention he likes the fact that he can gaslight her and make her feel bad he likes the fact that he can be apathetic to her and her needs and she'll still keep come crawling to him because if he was like this to any other person who was a bit more mentally sound then they would break up with him and then he would be alone and Christian knows this and not to like rag on Danny or anything but you know the the movie the movie presents the character how the movie presents the character okay and so when Danny's um when Danny's family dies in such a tragic horrific way that really does push her more into Christian's arms and I remember the little scene they did before Christian is holding Danny and Danny's crying it's him in his coat and he is just like walking to her apartment and he can hear her crying from the outside and Christian looks like he does not want to be there he looks like he does not want to comfort her he is dreading going up those stairs knocking on that door holding her he doesn't want to be there for her he doesn't want to be there for her in her moment of need he does not want to comfort her at all and that is just like it irks me it makes me sick so we continue to see like Danny being sad being depressed being detached from everything because of what happened and how her family died and Christian's the only person she has left and then she goes to a party and she finds out that Christian is supposed to go to Sweden and this scene in her in oh my gosh the scene in the room where Christian and Danny are talking I couldn't watch the scene in full the first time I watched this movie because I kept yelling at Christian because Christian is so stupid he is so dumb I just don't understand how stupid this kid is like oh gosh so they're at the party right and um Mark is talking about how they're excited to go to Sweden and it's two weeks from then and of course in the earlier scene when they're in the diner together with Mark Josh and Pele they're talking about how they're going to Sweden and they're all ready to go. And Marcus obviously telling uh, Christian that he needs to break up with Danny because he doesn't want to be with Danny anymore. And the one thing I do like about this scene is what Josh says. And he says that he's putting off, he's putting this off to avoid doing the work he should actually be doing. And maybe this, and like when Mark says that, when Josh says it, when Josh says that, the whole group goes silent. Like everyone's quiet and everyone just looks at Josh. And then Christian gets on the defensive and he's like, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? And he brings, Josh brings it back to like his PhD and his thesis because Josh knows that Christian doesn't know what he wants to do with his thesis. He knows he doesn't know what he wants to do with his PhD. Christian is just so indecisive like he can't make a decision he can't make a choice to save his life and honestly <laughs> in the end of the movie he would have to do that and that's what's so ironic about that but on what Josh is really talking about and obviously what we all see is that Christian is putting off breaking up with Danny because when he breaks up with her he has to reconcile with the fact that he's a bad boyfriend he cannot take on someone else's needs because he's not emotionally available to somebody else and he can't open up himself to someone and even though Danny seems very needy and very clingy to him maybe this is because he just keeps closing himself off and pushing her away so then she keeps trying to open up more and more thinking that it will draw him to open up more and more but he it puts him off and that he just like you know it's like that thing where 
they're friends with someone and you're just like I don't want to burden people with my problems because I don't want to seem annoying to everyone else and that's the kind of thinking that you have when you're depressed and it sucks even more when you're actually depressed and that's actually the case for the person that loves you and takes care like that's actually the case for someone who is like your significant other like when that's actually the case that really does like put a detriment on your mental health and your self-worth at that so when Danny and Christian leave the party after Danny finds out that Christian is supposed to be going to Sweden and he didn't tell her at all <coughs> excuse me sorry about that he's trying to play dumb when they get home right and he says that like he said that it would be cool to go he didn't know if he wanted to go and then Danny Christian is trying to play this off He's lying. He's like, oh, I just decided to go today, which is not true because if Mark says that you guys are going to Sweden in two weeks, you would obviously need to book your trip in like a month or two months in advance. Like, obviously you would have to because you guys are going to a European country in the summer. Lots of people are going to be going to those countries in the summer for like, you know, backpacking or for like studying abroad or for vacation. So of course you would have to book your trip in advance. So you saying that you just decided to go today, that's stupid. That's a lie. It's obviously a lie. And she says that you already have your ticket. And he is so just like, he doesn't want to confront the fact that he lied to her, that he hid this from her. And so he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I, like too bad. So sad. Like that's not how you apologize to someone. That's not how you show remorse. That's not how you show that you want to like, that's not like, Danny just wants him to talk to her. That's it. Danny just wants a connection. Danny just wants someone to communicate with her. And I'm getting tired of getting angry and I'm getting upset because I can feel her, I can feel how she feels in this moment, in this movie. You know, Danny doesn't have anyone else in her life. Her sister, her mom, and her dad died in the same night in a very brutal, sad way. And Danny only has Christian to rely on her. But if Christian can't simply talk to her about why he's going to Sweden for the summer, then it just, it's, it's just, it's like, there's no point. There's no point in continuing the relationship. At that moment, Christian should have just broken up with her or she should have just dumped him. She just, she should just cut her losses, shed that dead skin and left the relationship in that moment because it does not serve her anymore. It does not uplift her. It is not feeding into her or making her feel better. Christian is only taking care of her out of pity, out of the fact that he has to. It's out of duty. He knows that if he doesn't take care of Danny after she lost three people in her family, they're the closest people to her, that he would seem like a bad guy. Because for Christian, you are a bad guy because throughout this whole relationship, you've just been emotionally distant. And of course, that could be excused. That could be looked over. But now that she has gone through this terrible, horrible loss, you feel this duty to take care of her, you know? Like throughout the movie, any sign of affection Christian show shows towards Danny, it's like he's playing a part. He's playing the part of the boyfriend. He's not doing this. He doesn't put his hand on her shoulder because he wants to comfort her. He's doing that because he knows that if he does it, it looks good. He doesn't hug her or like ask her if she's okay because he actually wants to know that she's okay. He doesn't actually want to check in on her. Like he doesn't actually like care about her feelings. He just knows that he has to do it to make sure she doesn't spiral out of the control. Like when they later go to Hagra, the village, Every time Danny breaks down crying, she cries by herself. 
she's alone she's isolated she feels by herself and she doesn't feel like there's anyone there with her and you know back in the apartment when she's talking to christian she only wants him to open up to her and tell her his feelings and he can't do that he simply cannot do that he keeps putting up this wall and she begs him and she clings to him and you can tell that when she moves to sit on the couch and she just wants him to sit next to her and talk to her he is looking at the door she's she's sitting there and she's talking to him she's like christian please christian please and he is just staring at that door like it is his way out like he just needs to run to freedom and it is so i hate it it's so annoying and you also see in the movie that danny cries a lot and i like the fact that she's openly vulnerable but she also cries alone all the time like when Christian tells his friends that Danny is coming to Sweden with them, they're all like, okay, great. Like, it's weird. And, like, they think, like, she's not actually coming, though, right? Like, we know that she, like, lost her family, but she's not actually coming, though, right? Because, like, this was guy time. Like, this is a guy, like, this is a guy trip. Like, is she really going to come? We were planning on, like, talking to some hot babes and stuff like that. But Danny comes. And when Pele, um, when Pele sits and he's talking to Danny he's straight up he's just so attentive and he's so kind and he just like really like I'm so sorry that you lost your family in that way and that moment of sincere vulnerability and that moment of looking at her and just opening up his heart to her sends her down a spiral where she starts crying and I love the overhead I love the overhead shot where she like goes into the bathroom and then she ends up in the airplane bathroom it just shows that like from that moment in the apartment to getting on the plane she hasn't felt better she hasn't felt more uplifted her mood hasn't lifted at all she's still sad she's still depressed and she hasn't really taken the time to process what happened to her family and anytime she does like break down crying she's just by herself the slightest thing triggers her to cry like when they finally go to the commune by the way i love that overhead shot where like the, like the whole thing is upside down like when they drive into Hagra the camera literally flips around the other way showing that they've entered like a new sense of reality a new plane of existence I love that overhead shot I love camera angles that play on the you know the reality of the situation like what's going on I really dig that like that I'm a nerd for that kind of stuff right so when Hog oh no. When Danny and Josh Mark Christian Pele, they all like kinda get high when they go on the trip. Danny is literally high. Like she she feels like the grass is growing through her hand, she feels that one with the earth. And then when Mark says, You guys are like family to me, that literally snaps her out of her relaxed trance and sends her down a panicked state where she can't breathe or she's freaking out where she's just like running and she feels like everyone's looking at her and staring at her and she feels like a spectacle and she just needs to break down crying she doesn't feel like at peace she feels confused and sad and scared and she literally has to run away to be by herself but really Danny hasn't taken any time to really think about what's happened to her she hasn't taken any time to realize how traumatic this experience has been for her for her to lose her family like this horrible murder suicide that happened to her family and this death that happened in her family you know it's something that not a lot of people can handle like most people like it would break you down 
So for her to continue to walk around in a dissociative state and not really feel and not really mourn and not really grieve the lives that she lost, it leaves her in this really vulnerable state where she's just looking for any kind of love, any kind of affection, any kind of community. And she finds that in the Hagra people. And I know that like when people describe, um, I know that when people are talking about this movie and the Hagra people, they describe it as a commune, but really it does have the makings of a cult. And I think that people don't really see it as a cult because there isn't like this one all-powerful leader who is looking for your money or isn't like sexually, sexually abusing people. There isn't that one leader that's not exploiting people or anything like that. But the Hagra work in harmony. They work in union. And you see that throughout the movie how they move. When you first meet the Hagra, they're kind, they're opening, they're, they're opening. One thing that like is interesting to me is like when you enter Hagra, you enter through the sun. And that's another thing. This whole movie takes place in the sunlight. When the movie starts, it's dark, it's dreary, 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 what? It's sad. But in the village, everything is so bright and beautiful and sunny. And it's so sunny to the point where like, you know, you tell the days go by when the sun is up and the, and the moon comes up. You know, sun comes up, sun goes down, moon goes up. Moon goes down, sun comes up, it's daytime. You know, that's how you tell that time goes by. But when Danny falls asleep in the woods and then Josh, Mark, and Christian find her, she clearly asks, like, is it tomorrow? She doesn't know if it's the next day because the sun is still out. Mark asks what time it is and Christian says that it's 9 p.m even though the sun is still out. So it kind of like, I don't know, I wouldn't say like it confuses you, but it kind of manipulates your mind because this is supposed to be a nine day festival. But when I was watching the movie, it felt like it all happened in like three days. You know, like I even lost track of time because there isn't any real way to tell how time passes. It just feels like one long summer, one glorious day of like sunlight and like happiness and joy, you know? And it's easy to get lost in the vulnerability, like, it's easy to get lost in the joy of the Hagra, because they all work together, they make their own food, they hug for a really long time, they just, they sit down at the same time, they eat at the same time, they have fun with one another, they show love to one another, but there's also, like, that, you know, like, Obviously, because we're all watching the movie, we know that something bad's going to happen. You know, it's a horror film. Like, it can't be happy all the way through. And the thing with the Hagra is that you never really see... Well, you do see it. But, like, you never really see the things that they do in front of you. Like, in a horror film. Like, usually when you're watching a horror movie, you see somebody die. And the, and the characters in the movie do not know. But even us as the audience, the only time we really see anyone die is at the end and then at and at the at a stupa. Those are the only times you see any horror or anything like violent or anything brutal. But I do want to talk about the Atastupa because that was wild. And it does like it was really something that <laughs> it really something it was really something that threw me off. Like when 
when Pele said they were going to add a stupa the next day, and Josh had like that little look on his face, like it was something stupid or silly, I thought, oh, everyone's going to like take off their clothes and run around naked or something like that. Like something dumb, like something silly, you know? But add a stupa is a ceremony where basically the community they like uh, they yeet an old person off the cliff it's genocide it's that's basically what atastupa is it's when an older person falls off jumps off thrown off a cliff you know and they do that as a marker of you know the circle of life you know it's a way to show how everything is recycled back in the earth everybody has their cycle like in their community when you're from 0 to 18 you're just like a kid and then from like 18 to 36 you're like a worker and then 36 to 54 wait i wrote this down in my notes in 18 to 36 you go through your pilgrimage from um okay from 0 to 18 you're in spring from 18 to 36 you go through your pilgrimage from 36 to 54 you're in fall and from 54 to 72 you're a mentor which means that around the age of 72 they yeet you off a cliff i guess and i guess that's because like when you're much older your bones can't really work your mind starts to go away and like you can't really like give the community anymore but that's okay because your body is going to be used in a different way and you're still giving to the community and this whole scene, it's so off-putting because it is a brutal murder. It's so gross and gory and just like, you know, but it's so bright. Like the whiteness of the cliff and everyone's clothes and the sun, it it's off-putting because it's such a creepy, scary thing that happens. And it's this weird turning point that shows that like the Hagra this is part of their rituals this is part of the way they live it's cultural so you don't want to question that it's cultural you don't want to poke holes at it too much and you know the not the leader really but one of the elders she says that it's a way for them to give back you know because people do die every day but in this way they're choosing to die because they've lived a full life and when their life has come to an end they choose it is kind of like it's the end for them but at the same time it's not really a choice for them because you can't really choose you like you can't stop yourself from getting older you know what i mean you can't stop yourself from aging so you know that when you get to 72 your community is going to throw you off a cliff and you're going to die like what if you don't want to die you know what i mean that's one thing that i thought about but like this really does hit danny in a different way because she has to watch this man oh my gosh when the man fell that was not it for me but it's way too much for her like everybody else was freaking out even like there was a couple that was also brought along simon and connie they were freaking out the most and honestly i'm on simon and connie's side because they were not okay with it they were freaking out they're ready to leave they're ready to go they're ready to bounce and i would be too because if i had to see two people get yeeted off a cliff i would not want to stay around for any of the festivities but danny she kind of goes into overload and it really does have an impact on like how she sees everything because throughout the whole movie she has been 
hiding her emotions to spare other people and throughout the movie she has been sad and just depressed and she has just not been not she's just not been checked in but this kind of snaps her out of her dissociative state and it makes her really like look into what's going on in her life and it really makes her reconcile with the death of her family and I think that this scene really does bring her closer to the Hagra because you see this community where everybody loves each other everyone takes care of each other and they allow everybody to live a full life and when you reach the end of your life everyone is there for you when you die I feel like there could be a less violent way for you to die but sure okay let's go with yeeting people off a cliff <laughs> let's go with that but you know that scene really did put into like perspective for everyone there that like maybe this community isn't as maybe this community isn't as happy go lucky as you think they are you know after the people get yeeted off the cliff simon and connie are very dead set on leaving they don't want to be there anymore they want to go they want to leave and connie gets ready to get all her stuff together and then father odd who like pulls connie aside and he's like so simon left with john and they took the bus they took the truck and they went back and simon's going on the bus stop and you know john's gonna come back to get you and then connie's confused like why would simon leave without me because one thing one thing for sure if you've seen the movie you know simon and connie they are the cutest couple ever they are so cute they are so in love they hold hands they love each other he's constantly putting his hand around connie like they are together they are infatuated with each other and i love the fact that they brought in another couple to kind of like be an obvious comparison between Danny and Christian because when we first meet Simon and Connie um Ingmar who is like Pele's brother adoptive brother basically he's like so I met Connie on a date and Connie straight up was just like no we weren't dating we were just hanging out I didn't even know it was a date and Ingmar was like oh yes of course which off this like if you raise another thing raised in a commune you may not really pick up on social cues so yes of course and also like that's another reason why I don't really want to call it a cult. I do see it as a cult, but I see why people don't call it a cult because it's obvious that like the people in the community, they can choose other people to like leave the community and like bring other people back into like their commune and stuff. Cause like, obviously like they would need to like mate and like, you know, some people may need to work to like keep, to buy supplies and to bring in food and like, you know, to like bring, keep this air of like normalcy. You know, not everybody can go out into the world, but certain people can leave the commune to bring people back into the community and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. To make it seem, to make it feel less like a cult, I guess. That's what I'm saying. And Connie met Simon through Ingmar and then they started dating and now they're engaged. And then we find out that Christian and Danny have been together for almost four four years oh my gosh that's too much that's too long for me to be in a relationship with someone who can't just say i love you to me you know what i mean like christian can't even like hug danny without looking without being without like his body like when christian hugs danny it's just his arms you know 
you know when someone hugs you and it's just their arms and their body is like away from you and they're just like in anticipation of like getting away from you of moving away yeah that's the vibe that's the energy i get from christian oh i hate him so much oh gosh so um of course danny is kind of put off by what happened and she wants to leave like she's ready to go she's ready to get out of here and pele is comforting her and talking to her and she's just talking about how like she doesn't like danny wants to leave because she's not an anthropology major she's not an anthropology student she doesn't understand the cultural significance to it all because when she's talking to christian about it, like really trying to talk to him he's like yeah it's messed up but like it's their culture you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna question their uh practices and like how they do things and stuff like that like he's like trying to see it through an academic perspective right but of course danny she's put off by the fact that she just saw two people die in front of her so she wants to leave and Pele brings it back to the emotional state. Pele is bringing in the vulnerability. Pele is opening up to Danny, which Christian can't do because he's a bum. And, you know, Pele, he is simply just like, I lost my family at a young age, too. And I went through something traumatic, too. And Danny is, of course, like, no, that's not it. That's not the thing. Like, I just don't get what's going on. Do you not understand? It's not about that stuff. But Pele's like, no, I get it. I understand you. Like, I see you. And when Pele talks to Danny, he looks at her. He points his body towards her. He, like, comforts her. He rubs her back. He speaks to her in a kind way. And Christian, when he talks to Danny, he's just kind of exasperated. He's just kind of like, oh my gosh, like, ugh, like, why don't you get it? Like, Christian is just very much not in it. Like, Christian doesn't look Danny in the eye at all. Like, everything about him is stiff around Danny and uninvited and cold. But Pele is warm and kind. And that's, like really like this film i know like it's a folk horror but i feel like this film really is like a look into how you get indoctrinated into cults because cults look for people who are lonely they look for people who are lost they look for people who have who just are looking for some kind of purpose in their life they're looking for people who are by themselves and need a sense of community and Pe and of course pele he talks about how he lost his family at a young age and how he found the hagra and now they are his family they're his surrogate family and danny literally lost her family before going to this trip and that's one thing i haven't seen this theory in anyone else's review of midsummer but i really do think that i don't think that it was the sister who killed herself and then her mom and dad and danny's family i really do think that like somebody in the hagra did that to her family i really do think and y'all may think that i'm overreacting and you may think that this is too much of a conspiracy and you know ari aster he is very much someone who doesn't it's not that he doesn't like it when people overanalyze his movies but he feels like people should just watch the movie and see what's there and there are like easter eggs within the film like when on the second viewing of the film i see a lot of nordic paintings that are similar to the paintings and the little like stories that they have around the hagra like you know when simon and connie were looking at the blanket of the love story quote unquote there's also this picture um this weird painting above danny's bed when she's sleeping of this um young girl with a crown on her head kissing the head of a bear 
which is kind of like a signifier of the ending if you you know of the ending of the movie and then there's also this weird nordic painting just in the living room in the background and obviously like it's it makes sense because uh this is probably christian's dorm room he's a anthropology major it would make sense that he may have some of these paintings around his house because he has like a stack of books in his in his living room as well so maybe he has this paintings as like a reason like for a project or something like that but there are like certain easter eggs in the film that hint at things that will be happening in the movie and that kind of like foreshadow was about to happen in the movie so you know of course when you're watching a movie like like when you're really into films like you're a cinephile and i really like movies when you're watching a movie for the second time or the third time you're going to look for things you didn't see the first time around and you don't want to overanalyze what's going on in the film too much because then you may kind of warp the meaning of the film and I'm sure that like Ari Aster has said that he doesn't really like talking about his movies because if you watch the movies closely you can understand what's going on you can see what's going on and he doesn't really try and like make it too cryptic make it too complex so of course this theory I have of like the Hogwarts killing Danny's family may be a bit too complex maybe maybe I'm doing too much maybe I'm thinking too hard maybe I'm overanalyzing a little bit but I can't help but think like it everything just fell into place a bit too easily everything just fell into everything just fell into place a bit too quickly like it all just kind of like went down like domino theory for Danny and her life like three of her closest family family members die right and she happens to be in this terrible relationship with Christian. And Christian gets invited to go to a trip to Sweden with Pele to see Pele's commune. And they need a May Queen. And when Pele is telling him about the May Queen in his commune, he just looks at Danny with such anticipation, you know? And I just can't help but think that maybe 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 Ingmar killed Danny's family maybe that's not it maybe it wasn't somebody who killed Danny's family but I look at like if you really watch the scene where Danny's family dies I don't like I don't believe it was a sister I don't think it was a sister I really do think like I really do think it was someone else who did it but that's not really something that's opened up into the movie so that's something that like maybe that's just a theory that I have and maybe no one else has it, but you know, I just wanted to throw that out there. And maybe that's me reading a bit deeper into Hagra's, you know, violent tendencies and into the cruel nature of the Hagra that they hide behind their sunny ambition and their hallucinogenic tea that they give to everyone. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm looking deeper into the meat pies and the Nordic kind of costumes and the wide-eyed smiles and the blue eyes full of happiness and joy. I see the violence and, you know, we all see the, you know, the bad intentions that the Hogger has in this film because we are all watching the movie. But at the same time, when you're watching the movie, you kind of get swept away in the pageantry of it all, you know. There are these long camera sweeps that show children running across the field and people singing and dancing and holding each other and this beautiful sense of community you can't help but be drawn into the bright sun that is shining down upon the beautiful um statues not statues the beautiful structures and the green fields and just like 
everybody just looks so peaceful and it just seems like a perfect kind of community to be part of also this movie does highlight the dangers of uh traveling you know like college students wanting to go to like a different country and like learning a new culture and trying to be a part of it and then kind of getting swept in the rituals and not knowing that the rituals have kind of dark elements to it all and then getting stuck you know because like college kids they go on vacations all the time they go to europe they go to asia they go wherever but you know people don't really think about the consequences or think about the bad things that can happen especially not white kids because they're just like oh we're just gonna have a fun we're just gonna party we're just gonna like have a good time and then next thing you know you get you get murdered and then somebody takes off your face and wears it as a mask it kills your friend you know nobody really thinks about that but yeah another reason why christian is trash is that <sighs> this scene really made me mad like this scene really made me mad like as a college student i hate when this happens but christian really had the nerve to go to josh and be like so i figured out what i'm gonna do for my paper <laughs> for my thesis i'm gonna do it on this community on these people and that's another thing about this uh film is that as an anthropology student you want to go to like a different community that lives differently than the community that you are raised in a community without electricity a community without like money or thinking about like the outside world a community that's cut off from reality or the reality that you know that you've been raised in and of course you want to study it for your paper for your thesis and that's what josh is doing but now that like you see some a ritual that's so brutal and so violent you realize that this could really juice up your thesis this could really juice up your paper this can really like make it more interesting and that's something that makes you want to stay longer that's something that makes you want to be there to see what else is going to happen because you could get a really good grade in your thesis but that could also motivate you to actually start on a thesis you should have been working on long ago and josh who has been running around this commune taking pictures videotaping everything asking people questions taking notes doing the work putting in the effort to his paper and then christian's just like hey you want to share the credit like you want to you want to share like lazy bum bum behavior honestly and of course josh is upset about it josh is mad by it josh is you know annoyed by this because this is a this is a, like oh i shouldn't be mad at danny i shouldn't be mad at danny for staying with josh i should also be mad at his friends because why are you still friends with a guy like this why are you still hang out with josh what does he bring to your group like what why are you also hang out with him like oh he's a good guy he's not a good guy he's obviously not a good guy this guy wants to put his name on your paper and do the minimum effort because he saw that you were working so hard on it and he doesn't want to he could now listen nordic traditions i'm sure that that's something that can have like that has like pages and pages and books and books on like culture and things like that and sure you could write a paper on the hagra in the commune or you could write paper about nordic traditionals traditions in general about sweden about the history of sweden about other communes like you could write a paper about something other than the hagra the community that you're living in right now but when you decide to start a project like the night before it's turned in of course it's not due the night before it turns in but you know the laziness of it all the unpreparedness the bummery like i can't like 
So I could question Danny as to why she's still dating Christian. But we could also question why Josh and Mark and Pele are still friends with Christian. Because he's not a good friend. He obviously doesn't add anything to your group. He probably doesn't have that much money. Like, he isn't that cool. Like, what, you guys need, you just needed another white guy to fill in your group? Like, y'all could have stopped being friends with this guy a long time ago, you know? And then Josh is just like, okay, fine. I guess I'm working with, I guess I'm working with, um, I guess I'm working with Christian. And then Mark says to like this girl Inga, and then at dinner or whatever, um, Mark gets pulled away by Inga, and then Mark goes missing. And honestly, when Mark goes missing, I can't really tell if it's the next day or if it's two days later. Because when I'm watching the movie, the movie is like over two hours long, and it's supposed to be going over nine days, but I'm telling you right now, I cannot tell when the nineties ended. I can't tell you, I don't understand, like, I can't measure time in this film. And of course, that's because of the sunlight that's gonna, like, off-put you and everything. But, yeah. Well, if you've watched the movie, you already know what happens next. Um, Josh, he wants to go to, um, he wants to take the pictures of the Ruby Robber, Rotter, I think it is. And they tell him no, but you know, he wakes up in the middle of the night and he decides to take pictures anyways. And I really do think that if Josh hadn't gotten hit over the head by Ruben wearing Mark's face mask, that he probably would have taken the pictures and dipped. Like he just want, I'm sure Josh just wanted the pictures and would have just gone on his way. You know, like he felt like he had enough for his paper. He felt like he had all that he needed. And I feel like that would have been good enough for him. And also Josh very clearly saw that like, Homegirl with the red hair was very much thirsting over Christian, and so did Danny. Danny saw it too. It was very obvious that like that little girl wanted to be with Christian, and Christian saw it too. But it wasn't like he was gonna do anything to stop it. And I do have to say, like the actress who plays the redhead girl, I think her name's Maja, Maya, Maja, something like that. I know that she's like she's 23. The actress is 23, but they obviously casted an actress who looks younger on purpose so it looks like christian a 24 year old man is sleeping with like a 15 year old and that put me off and that just is another reason why christian is trash because i know like i know like the actress is 23 i know she's older but i know that she's playing somebody who was a child who is like he's like okay pele literally says Maja just got her pants license. Like she was just allowed to have sex. Which in my brain tells me that Maja, the character, just had her period. So she's like 14? She's 13? Christian's Christ, Christian's Christian slept with the slept with slept with slept with a freshman. A freshman. The pedophilia. The pedophilia. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's off-putting. Oh, that's not good. Oh, and then when the elders were like, oh, somebody took the ruby rotter. We're not, like, pointing any fingers, but you know, obviously they're pointing fingers at Josh. And then when they pulled Christian and Danny and Pele aside, they're like, so Josh and Mark disappeared. And then jo and then Christian has the nerve. The audacity. Oh, my gosh. He straight up was like, oh, you know, um... With Mark, we don't think he did that. Like, Mark didn't do it, but Josh, oh yeah, that's definitely Josh. Oh yeah, Josh definitely did that. You know, we don't think of him as friends or collaborators. It's interesting, because, like, when Josh was doing all the work, 
taking those pictures, videotaping everything. By the way, Josh was not discreet in taking pictures at all. He wasn't. Like, he was very openly, like, taking pictures with his phone wallet. I hate phone cases like that. But he wasn't discreet in taking pictures or anything like that. When he was walking around, taking notes, taking pictures, asking questions, and putting all this work into his paper, you were more than happy to saddle up to Josh and be like, hey, can I put your name on your paper? And like, can we collaborate? Can we like work together? Cause like, you're my friend, you're my bud, you're my pal. But if Josh possibly did something to anger the Hogger people, to put them on your bad side, you showed up just like, oh yeah, Josh definitely did it. Oh yeah, he definitely did it. You know, like I wasn't gonna say anything cause he's my friend. You know, I love him. He's my brother, my brother for another mother, but you know, you know those people they just can't help but get a five finger discount and i know people are i know like don't get in the comments and be upset okay josh very much like excluded mark from the crime but he very much implicated josh in it your only black friend wow great job christian a pedophile and a racist great job i know like i'm reading too much i know i'm going too deep into the movie but like it's a movie y'all let me live so yeah um i mean nothing else really happens in the movie that i really care about you know what i'm saying like oh <laughs> there was a one part where like danny straight up roasted josh she was like i could possibly see you do that because she was asking everybody about um simon and connie because it was mad sus that simon left connie because it was very obvious that simon loved connie and wanted to be with connie and it didn't make any sense that simon had left connie but, oh, oh, excuse me, but when Danny said, I could possibly see you doing that, and then Josh was really like caught off guard, he's like, what does that mean? What do you think it means? Have you been a good boyfriend throughout this whole movie at all? Oh wait, you haven't, so she's in within her rights to say that because you keep messing up, bruh, like, come on, be real, and of course, we see that, like, you know, at the end of the movie, um, Christian sleeps with the 14-year-old girl. Danny becomes the May Queen. And, uh, Josh finds, you know, Christian finds out that all his friends are dead. All my friends are dead. Pushed <laughs> to the edge. Ooh, he got, he, he didn't get pushed to the edge, but Danny did. And I feel like this movie does a really great job of, like, bringing us into the Hagra's warm embrace. And at the end, we're all kind of like cheering on for Danny because she has been through so much. She has gone through so much. She has like really dealt, she's been dealt the worst hand in her life. And now like she gets to be the May Queen. She gets a new family. And you even see it in the movie where she's being hugged and embraced by all these people. And then her mom literally walks past her showing that she's leaving that old life behind and she is coming into this community and she, you know, breaks up with Josh. She literally lights him on fire. When homie was in the bear suit, I was just like, wow. Imagine being able not, like, imagine not being able to speak or move, but being burned alive. Wow. And it's really a signifier of his life. Because, like, he didn't make no moves. He didn't make any moves in his life. He didn't make any decisions. He didn't stick to anything in his life. And he didn't speak up. He didn't say anything. He wasn't any... He wasn't bold. He was constantly wishy-washy. And he was, like, apathetic towards everything. And he was just, like, fake. And he was just, like, not, like, a whole person. Like, he didn't stick to his guns. He didn't stick to any of his morals. Like, he would, like, jump from, like, place to place. Like, like he was just mad sus the whole time. Like, Christian was just mad sus. 
And in the end, you know, he he couldn't speak or move. It was figuratively throughout the movie, but it was literally at the end when he died. He was burned alive. And also, I really do think the end of the movie does, like, show something real, like, something, like, something deep. Because the Hagra is a commune, and they bring people in, and you all act in harmony, you all do things together and stuff like that. And I think that when you spend time in the community long enough, you believe the things that they believe. But one thing for sure, like, I feel like one part of the movie that really stuck with me was the ending where the two people, like, they offered themselves up as sacrifices. You know, the nine-day festival happens every 90 years, and they're supposed to give nine offerings to Hagra? To whom? I don't remember who. I probably wrote it down though. Like, wait, nine, let me see. Nine sacrifices, four have been supplied. Oh, the four was Simon, Connie, Mark, and Josh, obviously. It doesn't say who they're sacrificing it to, but it's the nine sacrifices or whatever, right? And basically, um, Ingmar and Ulf, they're two people that were introduced in the movie. Ingmar is like Pele's brother. And they're giving like the yew tree or something like that, the sap from the yew tree, and you won't feel any pain in when you were being burned in the temple. But that was obviously a lie because you were, they did feel pain when they were being burned alive. And then everybody else kind of started screaming as well. And it's supposed to show like the connectivity of it all and how they're all one person, they're one being in Hagra, you know, which sounds very cult-like. But I really don't think they were feeling the same pain that they were. And I feel like it was more performative in a way, you know, just putting on a show. And it was something, it's something that really shows you like something about cults, like being in doctrine. Because even though the Hagra accepted Danny as their May Queen and they have like allowed her to bless their crops and their livestock and stuff like that. And they've accepted her as one of their own. What makes you think that they're not going to kill her too? You think because she's wearing a nice little crown that she won't be next on the chopping block? Because I really don't think it's- I really don't think they need a, a sacrifice for a reason to kill somebody. I really don't think they need an excuse to like take someone out of that community. Like if you really are someone who can't really get along or can't like act as pure as everyone else or can't work in harmony, if you question things too much they'll probably just tick you out and you know I really don't believe it was just like the nine day festival I really do think they'd just be about that stuff you know what I mean I really do think they'd just about, be about it but all in all those are my thoughts on um Midsummer. I do think that like the ending was something cathartic for um Danny because she was kind of like brought in to the community and she just like came along but in the end she's literally like engulfed in it like she like the way that she was in the flowers like she becomes a part of it like she's one with them she's just completely consumed by the community and she is one of them in a way and we're supposed to feel good for Danny because she's found this new community this new group of people who will love her and take care of her and of course Pele is gonna like be her boyfriend now and she's gonna be happy now but is she really gonna be happy does she really like does she really like feel catharsis is this really like something that's going to heal her 
and it's going to make her feel better like is she really safe are these people really gonna like take care of her in this new community like i don't think so you know i know that it's supposed to be like this happy ending like people are supposed to see like this happy like are we supposed to be happy for her like are we supposed to feel joy for danny are we supposed to know that she's at peace now that her very bad boyfriend died like yeah it's great that like like christian's dead but mark died and mark didn't do anything josh died and sure he took a few pictures but this doesn't mean he deserved to be hit over the head by reuben simon and connie died but the only thing they tried to do was leave they were freaked out by the fact that you yeeted two old people off the cliff but they were two very kind loving people to one another and you killed them because they wanted to leave the community because they didn't want to be a part of it what happens when danny decides to go back to school or danny doesn't want to be a part of what if danny just wants what if you allow danny and pelly to leave and rejoin civilization and she doesn't want to return back to sweden what happens then you know yeah i guess there are better questions for like ari and not just for like for me to say onto the internet but you know that's just how i feel about the movie all in all it was a really great movie it was really good I think that the film really does show an interesting perspective of how like cults kind of hide their horror away you know like I really think the best example of it was when Connie was really upset about Simon leaving so she's like no nah, I'm getting out of here and she's ready to go like Mark even said himself that like Connie was like kind of like trying out for the sprinting Olympics as in she was running as in she was trying to get out of here and then there are certain cutaway scenes where you can hear a woman screaming in the distance but you really don't know what's going on and you maybe you think that like I think like when I first watched it I thought it was someone giving birth but when I heard the scream twice I was like oh wait that's Connie oh wait that's Connie Connie's dying and when Danny keeps asking like where's Connie what happened to Simon what's going on someone on the table literally moves forward and he's like oh yeah Connie left into town like I drove her back like I did that that's kind of how the Hagra move they how that's how they work together it's not just one person feeding lies to everyone else and everybody follows that person it's everybody working together in unison lying to these new people these outside people because I think maybe they did want them to join in the community like no they didn't want to they needed the sacrifices but I really do think when they do bring in new people in the commune they don't need um, the 90 years to kill somebody they will willingly kill someone and then stick them in their garden with their foot sticking out that's another thing that really irked me it was like that's another thing about the Hagra because even though they hide their horror in the daylight and they hide it away so you don't see it and it's not obvious Josh's foot was literally sticking out of the ground and you mean to tell me it didn't take a little Christian running out of that temple holding his like running out of that temple naked and confused and then seeing Josh's foot out of the ground that's what it took for them to notice that Josh was gone because like if they actually did take the time to like walk around the commune and walk around the community they would have saw Simon's body spread out with the flowers in his eyes they would have seen it if they just walked around the commune but you just went where everyone else went and you stay where everyone else stayed you just did what everyone else did and you didn't look you didn't question you didn't explore any further of course Danny questioned if Simon really left Connie because that seemed unlikely because they were obviously in love and actually cared for each other and actually wanted to be with one another but the second that person told her like oh yeah I drove them into town so it's all fine she just let it go she just dropped it she just moved on and it just shows how like the Hagar is easily manipulating everybody to see things the way they wanted to see it 
and move in the way that they wanted to move towards the goal that the Hogger had set up at the end, which was finding the new May Queen. And I really do think, like, Connie could have been the new May Queen, but the thing about Connie is that, like, she wasn't, I don't want to say weak, but she wasn't, like, as emotionally torn down as Danny was. Danny had been in a terrible relationship for four years. She had just lost her family. She was so vulnerable and so alone and so desperate for love and compassion and community that she, that it was just a matter of time for the Hogwarts to indoctrinate her. And with a little coaxing from Pele being as charming as he was, it wasn't hard to make her the May Queen and drawing her into their spell and indoctrinating her into their commune. Obviously, Simon and Connie had to go because Simon and Connie saw that there was something up, that there was something wrong, that there was something fishy about this, and they could not be a part of it anymore. And it made sense. I don't want to say it made sense because obviously that breaks my heart, but like they had to go. They had to die. You know what I mean? Because the Hawker are liars, right? Like Christian straight up asked them about incest. And they were like, oh, yeah, we respect the incest taboo laws. And then Connie asked father odd when simon left in the first place why is it that i couldn't sit on simon's lap and they're like oh we respect the traffic laws which is mad sus because y'all just threw through y'all just threw two people off the roof even if it's part of a ritual that is murder that is murder right there um and so when uh josh finds out that reuben is literally the product of inbreeding and that every oracle they have to like write the books and translate the books is a product of inbreeding that's a lie from the other guy who said that they respect incest taboo laws you know what i mean that's obviously a lie so they obviously don't have any respect for the law they don't have respect for outside authority the only authority they recognize is the one within their community is the one within their their elders you know, and even though they don't have one leader, they have the oracles, they have their books, they have their readings, and that's what they live by. They don't care about outside forces. So if two outside people were supposed to leave and then tell other people about what's going on in this commune, that would risk exposure to other people coming in and probably arresting them and ruining the harmony. So Simon and Connie had to go. You know what I mean? Like, cults, like, I can't help but call it a cult. Because, like, you know, it's just, it's obvious, man. When you try to disturb the peace and the harmony, if you're not as pure as everyone else, you gotta go. Because then you're gonna disrupt the the vibes or whatever. You're gonna, you're gonna put a, there's gonna be a shift in the atmosphere. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think those are all the things I wanted to say about the movie in general. I really did like this movie. Um, I really did enjoy it. It was really fun. I also like the fact that like there's I do like like the fact that there are times where they spoke Swedish and like some of it wasn't captioned and I think that's really good to isolate the audience from what's going on in the film in a way. They did caption the Swedish at some point in the movie, but like there were some times when they were speaking Swedish and you just couldn't tell what they were saying. And I feel like that was a good way of like drawing people like isolating us from the true uh, motivations uh, excuse me, of the community. Excuse me, so yeah. That's basically it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of I've Been Meaning to Watch That. This is a much longer episode than I'm used to recording, but you know what? Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you like this episode, if you like this um, podcast, if you were really interesting, interested, uh, feel free to subscribe. Feel free to leave a like. Feel free to share. 
and that's it if you have any suggestions for movies or tv shows that you want me to review on here please email me at d-u-l-c-i-o-m at hotmail.com and i will be sure to take your uh, suggestions into consideration thank you so much for listening and i hope you stay blessed